Hello, and welcome back to Energy Futures, the podcast where we explore different perspectives on the future of energy. Today, we're with Rishi Bhattacharya, founder and CEO at Impact and Influence, a UK-based communications firm with a focus on supporting companies and projects in climate and sustainability. Hi, Rishi. Welcome to Energy Futures. So excited to have you representing Impact and Influence and here today to tell us about your journey in the energy and sustainability and climate space. So first thing first, Rishi, tell me about your background and what led you to this space. Well, thanks, Catherine, first of all, for uh, inviting me uh, onto your podcast. My background is that I started off as a journalist for the first 10 years of my career, and that exposed me to energy through broadcasting stories about the sector and predominantly on a place called Sellafield in, in the northwest of England, which has a big nuclear site. And so I did lots and lots of stories about Sellafield when I was a reporter. Then after that, I moved into communications consultancy and during that time represented lots of different companies in the energy space. And that's really where I got exposed to it. Now, having worked at a couple of agencies, I decided in the last year to set up my own company, Impact and Influence. And I continue the pathway in terms of operating in the energy, climate, sustainability space. It's very cool how people's paths take them all around in circles, but kind of end up in the same place that energy, climate, sustainability really matters. And there's a lot that can be done in a lot of different ways. I I think that's right. There was a, I have to say, a kind of penny dropping moment for me. I was at a a brilliant uh, conference called the Summit of Minds in France, in the Alps. And in the shadow of Mont Blanc is the glacier. And anyway, at this conference, um, they had actually some like amazing climate scientists who were so compelling about the climate. But the the penny dropping moment, as I would call it, is the mountain guides or the taxi drivers in the town that would tell you about the retreat of the glacier. And I think wow. for me, it was the first time. And, and I'd, I'd obviously heard about the effects of climate change. I'd read the reports. I'd looked into it and studied it. But it was that moment of saying, look at how this glacier is retreating. And it's retreated this far in 20 years. And it's the climate here in Chamonix. And, and that was a key moment for me because that actually, you know, led me in not necessarily a different direction, but starting to look at the challenges of energy and the challenges of climate through a different prism. That's so interesting. And I feel like there are so many moments like that where it's not the macro trend that you read in a report. It's the actually being somewhere and looking at something and saying, hey, in my not so distant past, this looked totally different and that's not normal. And I feel like there's something we can and should be doing about it. So when you, that's right. Well, when you think about that, where do you start? We've got a billion different people who probably have 10 billion different ideas on what you should do. Coming from the perspective of Europeans, there's already more of a kind of enlightened focus on, on climate and sustainability and energy, but you've worked all over the world and with global clients. So how is, 
how's that shaped your view and, and what has that led you to, to think is the, the way forward? I think there's something in where you sit in the world shapes your view on climate or energy. I think that there's, it's not quite an entitlement in developed countries like the UK or the US, but it's an expectation that the, when you flick a switch, the light's always going to come on. And it's a massive drama if it doesn't. In other parts of the world, a light bulb coming on is transformational. The other key thing, I think, is technology. For a place like the UK, you know, if you look at the countryside, we've got grid infrastructure and so on. But for other countries who are maybe more developing than we are, they, they probably can't afford grid infrastructure, but they don't need it. They don't need it with the advances in technology and the decentralization of um, energy that's driven by technology. Yeah. That perspective really is so interesting. Like it's so easy to say, you know, well, in this part of the world, the light switch has never not worked unless there was a calamity afoot. I love to think about how energy truly underpins everything in modern life. And without that, then you have to think about so many more basic things all of the time that you don't get to develop the next Facebook or Google or whatever it is that, that you're interested in. So with all of that and with all those, those kind of differing forces, what's one thing you think people agree on when it comes to the future of energy and sustainability? I think hopefully the one thing that everyone agrees on is that with energy and with climate um, and the interlinkage between the two, I think we have to do everything in our power to um, ensure our children and our children's children and beyond are able to prosper on this planet. And, and, and hopefully everyone agrees on that. I mean, if everyone doesn't agree on that, we're frankly doomed. <laughs> but it's an important driving force behind some of the decisions which countries, companies, individuals are going to have to take over the coming years. I think it's, it's been so interesting to see how really the only thing that you can get people to agree on is that we're going to need more energy and we have to do something now about climate. And I think the first point is something that people have generally agreed on for a while and then started getting fights immediately after that about how are you going to provide that more energy? I think the second point from what we're seeing in whether it's discussions at the you know various COP25, the upcoming COP26, or you know any of the other forums, is that the agreement on that second point is somewhat new, that we have to take action maybe sometime in a theoretical future has been, you know, not disagreed, but the understanding that we need to take action now feels to me like it's something that is, it's a more recent, broad agreement. What are you seeing on that? I, I think that there's an element that's going on, which I believe is already driving significant change and it's unseen. Well, it's not quite unseen, but I don't think we're quite at the point of recognizing the impact that it's having. And that is flows of capital. And so 
on one hand, you may have the Greta generation or protests on streets, and that does have an impact. And I believe that that has certainly from the generation it came from had an impact, for example, on, on my generation, which is positive. But the capital flows is really fascinating to watch because if investment, as it has done, starts to go away from those who are regarded to be the greatest polluters and they struggle to get investment, that's going to massively impact their business. And then on the counterpoint of that is if that capital goes towards new technologies, that could have a a significant positive impact. So I think the capital flows point is a really important one for us to watch. And what's driving that is not, you know, the kind of things maybe that I've expressed about, you know, being custodians of the planet. It's capital's view about risk. And, And if an investment is seen as inherently risky or going to get riskier, because of its profile, either through operations or reputationally, then that capital will go elsewhere. And I think that's going to have actually as big an impact as anything on the pathway that energy goes on, bearing in mind, of course, that it's not a homogenous block, but it's made up of lots of different elements. Yeah, for sure. I think that capital flow is so interesting. And I think that's that's even a fourth point maybe that that is coming in, in more and more agreement is energy isn't a homogenous blog and it, it's going to take all different kinds and forms to, to make up the future if for no other reason than demand is just too big to have any other outcome. I think that's right. And your point about the world needing more energy I I think he's right. And it's the blend of that energy, which is going to be crucial and actually how it links to your point about climate. Mm -hmm. And, And it's getting that balance right. Here in the UK, there's been a significant push towards renewables, but we're still dependent on gas. We have nuclear. And then there are new technologies like fusion, which offer significant potential when they bear fruit. So, you know, it's it's always looking at the energy mix and making sure it's at the optimum point, I guess, that the lights go on when you flick the switch, but we're moving in a certain direction with it. So another big question for you. <laughs> go on. From your vantage point and the clients that you're working with in your venture, they're coming at it from different angles of the sustainability equation there are a million different things you could do. What are you seeing that is an important thing to start with to make progress in this space? I believe that if communications is done in the right way, it can play a role in accelerating the pace of change towards the types of technologies or companies or organizations that can play a crucial role in accelerating the transition to net zero. Some of these companies are at relatively early stage. Some will require investment in the future. And so how does communications play a role in enabling that? My contention is that it plays an absolutely essential role in raising awareness, attracting investment, showcasing 
what some of these companies and technologies are able to do. As a communicator at heart, I'm just here shaking my head. Yes. (laughs) Thinking more personally, you've talked about your penny drop moment. What's the biggest change that you've seen in the landscape for energy and sustainability and climate so far in your career? The biggest change is probably, and take it back maybe to the last point around communications. A lot of energy companies were just used to sitting in their own corner and not seeing the need to communicate. And I think that one of the big changes for all aspects of companies in the energy mix the, the need to communicate because the stakeholders all companies have now and the scrutiny that they're under, whether it be from citizens, whether it be from investors, whether they be activist investors, whether it be policymakers, regulators, and so on, the, the, the need to communicate effectively in that environment, I think, has massively changed. And the scrutiny on management and CEOs has also changed. There's one other change which I'll bring up, which is more forward-looking, and that is around talent. I've already noticed, and this is in the communications environment, that this generation coming through, who you could almost classify as the Greta generation, they don't want to work in areas of energy which they regard as being on the wrong side of history. And they're taking a really cold, hard look, not only at um, those companies that they perceive as being on the wrong side of history, but actually wanting to do something positive on the other side. That's going to become very, very painful. And so whether it be capital flows or talent flows, these huge considerations are going to shape Uh, the future of energy going forwards. I love those considerations. I mean, you know, to think of it as talent flows is so important because at the end of the day, if the best and the brightest don't want to come help you solve the problems as you've defined them, then you don't have a business. So there we go. That's it. It's money, it's technology, it's ideas, and it's the ability to, to bring them to life. Rishi, thank you so much for joining. This is amazing. What you are doing with Impact and Influence is incredible. We can't wait to see everything that comes out of COP with you and your clients. So we will be on the lookout for more announcements from you. And in the meantime, thank you so much for for bringing the, the European perspective to how we're all working on this problem for the future. Catherine, thanks very much for inviting me.